Hi there. I hope you're doing really well. In today's recording, I'm going to spend some time looking at Sutra 114. So chapter one, Sutra 14 of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. Lately, we have really delved into a fair amount of discussion around vrittis and mind. And if you listen to the previous recording um, that was on the previous sutra, in that Patanjali's presented the importance of practice and the ability to concentrate the mind as being really the the focus point of practice. So in this sutra, the follow-up, number 14, he says, Satu dirga kala nairantarya satkara asevito dridha bumihi. And when we look at the translation of this sutra, it seems to mean something like practice becomes firmly established when we've cultivated it uninterruptedly with a sense of devotion over a prolonged period of time. Okay, so let's delve a little deeper into this one. We know that the ultimate goal of yoga is to achieve a state of mind that is a little more still and free of a lot of fluctuations, so free of a lot of the vrittis that we've previously been talking about in the other recordings. Now, from this still place, we're able to better connect with our consciousness, moving beyond simple matter and prakriti, Now, Patanjali mentions a few key things here. He talks about this idea that practice is done for a long period of time. Okay, so so time or period of time, kala, the word kala, K-A-L-A, it's referring to this idea of period of time and it's a long period of time because we know that we have this store of samskaras patterns and these samskaras tend to play out again and again and again. And we've established that it's very, very difficult to remove samskaras, if not almost impossible, Um, There are certain practices that refer to the burning of the samskaras, but for the most part, we practice and they become a little more latent so that they're not as active. But this is where, you know, a lot of teachers have actually referred to this concept of yoga being a lifelong practice. It's a lifelong commitment. And certainly early on, and a lot of you would have had this discussion with me, even my personal experience of yoga, you know, early on it started off very kind of sporadic, no sort of real commitment to, there's certainly not a daily practice. It was at times difficult 
to make it in twice a week. And then, you know, I increase that. And I think a lot of practitioners start off from that place of, you know, I'll just do it once a week and then they see some benefit and then they learn a little more and perhaps form a really good connection with a teacher that inspires them and gets them to keep moving and commit on a more regular basis to themselves and their practice. This this is very, very, very important and we're seeing that come up in this sutra. But essentially what happens when we when we break the practice is we tend to revert back to old patterning. Now that can happen on a physical level, definitely. Um, so, you know, we, we feel a lot stronger. We feel a lot more present in the body. We feel steady and light and we feel a good amount of energy and then we allow the practice to slip away maybe work gets crazy or travel comes up or whatever the case is and then what often happens is when we do return back to practice we come to realize just how challenging it is because of that gap of time that we've had in there now beyond that there's also the issue of having a lot of the mind stuff that we move past resurface again. So when we practice consistently and we take part in not just the asana but also the pranayama and some of the reflection work and um, and having that connection to teacher who can really effectively mirror some of what's going on for us, When we move away from that, the samskaras, habits and psychological patterning that we struggle with tends to actually resurface again. And in some cases, it can be even more devastating than before. I mean, it can be as simple as something like just experiencing the anxiety and discomfort on a psychological, emotional level, feeling more fearful, um, feeling less concentrated, feeling less focused. But we we also see this with really, really long-term established practitioners and so-called gurus. And this um, tends to really involve a lot of the ego when, you know, established teachers begin to believe that, you know, I've reached this point now, I don't need to be as committed to a regular practice. I don't need to be committed to a teacher because I am a teacher. Um, I don't really need to continue to do the reflective work because I've achieved this certain um, mental state or clarity and now I'm taking the seat of the teacher. And what we often start to see is that, you know, a lot of issues around um, taking advantage of others, you know, a lot of inappropriate behaviour around greed and sexual misconduct and all of these things tend to come up and very, very damaging on the communities in which these teachers are present. And so um, I've seen it many, many times. Being in the yoga, yoga world for over 12 years now and having the opportunity to 
both visit different communities and spend time, extensive amounts of time and, um, and connect with teachers who have authored books, teachers who are very, very well known. Um, some call them the superstar yogis. And, you know, we're, we're seeing the behind the curtain, perhaps it's not as it seems when they're on the open stage. Um, a lot of other issues with drug use um, and those types of things as well. So just some food for thought in that when you are practicing, if you do happen to get to a certain point, maybe you have a goal of, you know, um, moving beyond anxiety or moving beyond depression. And I know a lot of you that we've worked together have come to yoga for either or both of those. And it's not as, as simple as, okay, right, we've got, we got to this point, tick, and now move on. There needs to be a certain um, consistency in time, length of time and duration of practice, according to this sutra. And when we look at some of the commentaries, you know, they all just reiterate this, that even once we achieve the goal, and some of them even say that um, achieving the goal is the easy part. They, they say that, you know, the state of Chitta Vritti Narodaha really isn't that difficult to attain, that we can attain it with some effort. Um, the, the difficulty is actually staying there and not, it, not slipping back. It's also, I think, important because the benefits of the practice, they don't, it's not like taking a pill. It's not like taking a pharmaceutical medication where, you know, the results are instant and it's, you know, going to relieve the symptoms and acute issue that you might be having right now. You know, this is, the practice has a cumulative effect. We practice and each time we practice, we get a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. So it definitely takes time for everything to manifest and the, the, pot the potency of the practice to really manifest. And some teachers give different amounts of time and it really depends on, I think, the commitment of the student and the teacher. Um, but I've heard certain teachers say if up to three months before you really start to see any significant um, results from the practice. And those of you who have, who have seen me support and guide new students at the studio um, through the foundations course and outside of that as well, I always say, you know, if you want to practice yoga once a week, that's fine, that's great, there's nothing wrong with that. But it might actually be best if you do that in a in a different setting, in a different studio, because so much of what we do at the studio is building on class to class, week to week, month to month. We're working towards different goals and we have a very structured approach to the practice. It's very, very difficult if you have students that are just wanting a one kind of stretch and relax class a week. You know, if that's really 
your focus, if that's really what you want, that's fine. But you might be better off really doing that at a studio that has a very casual kind of approach, maybe a gym or even some of the classes that are run once a week in community halls, etc. It can be very intimidating for students that are only wanting, you know, that stretch and relax class once a week to come in and be surrounded by very dedicated and committed practitioners who take their, their practice quite seriously. So, you know, that's the other thing to take into consideration. Some people might feel quite inspired by that and others not so much so. So, you know, there is this idea of satkara, which is also mentioned in this sutra, and that translates to mean, you know, something like a reverence or a devotion to or like an intention. Um, And this is a quality that we want to try and bring to our our practice, really. If, if If we're taking this yoga thing seriously and we're, practicing regularly and we've said yes you know I I want something more from this I want to move closer towards my true self and feeling very balanced mind body and soul then you know we need to come in with this sense of devotion and this intention to do so I think this is really one of the biggest benefits of learning a specific system and a specific approach that is very clear and thought out, that has very specific procedures of teaching and of practicing and of learning. It's not just hodgepodge and slap together and whatever works and just because and I was being creative with it. No. We, we really need to understand that there, there is this culture at the moment, especially um, in the yoga world where it's like, you know, just, just slap anything together and just make anything work. And this is certainly not the approach that I think is going to have the most beneficial effect for both students and also new teachers. And when I spend time with my teacher, um, it never ceases to amaze me just how particular he is about the application of certain asana and certain pranayama and certain tools and the sequence in which they're taught and to whom they're taught and how they're taught and the language that's used when they're taught, the attitude of the teacher towards student. Um, It's so specific. It's such a clear, um, clearly systematized way of teaching and this, this is helpful because I think the biggest struggle that a lot of new teachers have is this obsession with needing to, to constantly teach something that's new. Oh, they, they're going to, and I've heard many of you say this before, like if I teach the same class next week, they're going to get bored. Um, 
you know, this is simply ego getting involved. There's so much value in the repetition of practice, actually practicing the same or similar class. Um, And it's never going to be the same because your body is not going to be the same week to week, nor is your state of mind going to be the same week to week. And so there's actually a lot of value in having a very consistent practice. Um, And not only that, but for your own teaching purposes, if you can stay consistent, then you know that you can observe things week to week as they change. If you're constantly changing everything, all the variables you can possibly change because you need to be creative for your ego to feel comfortable in teaching a class so that you can show your students the amazing things that you can put together, um, you lose the opportunity to actually see the progress of your students. And unless you've been teaching a ridiculous amount of classes, and when I say ridiculous, I mean like 12 to 20 classes a week um, and being very consistent in your, in your actual teaching, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to really note the nuances and, and the small shifts and changes that happen in a body and mind. So... Another thing for you to perhaps spend some time reflecting on, those of you that are teaching or thinking about becoming teachers, please navigate your stuff, your mind stuff, very carefully so that it doesn't negatively impact your students or your teaching journey. So think about this idea of satkara of having intention and having a sense of devotion and learning the tools and procedures of teaching really thoroughly you know, i many of you that have worked with me would have heard me say that there are two elements um, to being a very effective and great teacher and i believe that These two elements are key, and that is, one, knowing your tools. So you need to know what the effect of your tools are. And for us as teachers, we have a huge amount of tools available. We have all of the different asanas and modifications. We have all of the pranayamas. We have all of the lifestyle choices and and um, practices as well as looking at visualizations and meditations and the use of sound and so the tools are just so extensive and for us to really have a clear idea on how to use them effectively and powerfully one we need to implement them ourselves and feel what the effect of our tools are and then two we need to implement them with many 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 students so that we can really get a a very deep understanding of what they're doing the second thing that's very important for us to develop as teachers is the ability to connect with our students on a much deeper level this can be a real challenge for some people 
because they lack the connection and stability within themselves. So if as a practitioner you're anxious, depressed, struggling with your vrittis and your state of mind, it's much more challenging for you to have clarity and be able to provide space for others. So in that case, it's very important your own personal practice is vital so that you can teach from a place of clarity, so that you can teach from a place of um, a, a real stability. In fact, in this sutra, Patanjali uses another two words, which I think um, are very useful in understanding this. Dridha, meaning firm, and Bumihi, meaning ground. And one, you want to find firm ground for yourself and then in order to be able to provide that for your students. So knowing your tools and then being able to very effectively and on a deep level connect with others and provide them with a firm grounding for them to explore. Not your job to do the work for your students. It is your job to do the work yourself and then from there teach what you know. As Krishnamacharya said, not as it applies to you but as it applies to your students. Teach what you know, not as it applies to you, but as it applies to your student. So just while we're on this topic, I'm going to reiterate, it's not just a fancy sequence. It's not just because you feel like it. It's not just because, well, that's, uh, you know, the next creative thing and you're bored and you're uninspired. These are not good reasons for teaching something. You should have very, very, very clear understanding of why and to whom and what effect you're wanting to have. So, you know, this is just understand that whenever you come from a place like that, it's monkey mind stuff. This is silly. And we all struggle with that at different times. You know, we struggle with this idea that as teachers, we have to entertain. And this is a very, very dangerous place to come from. Um, and you see it a lot. So please move away from that if you can and try and really have a lot of intention around your own personal practice and that which you're giving to your students as well. I... Um, I taught and helped to manage a studio where there was a standard sequence that was taught. And when I say a standard sequence, I mean from start to finish, the class was exactly the same. Every asana, every breathing exercise, every kind of the way it was segmented, it was exactly the same from start to finish. And this class was taught every single day. Um, and the students who took part in practicing this same practice every day, the one thing that they consistently said was the repetition and moving through the same sequence in the same class every day 
really meant that they could go beyond just trying to understand what was being asked of them and go beyond the physicality of the practice and really start to discover some of the subtleties, the nuances and the deeper aspects of practice. So just thought I'd share that with you in that it can be very, very useful if the class is well-designed and well-rounded for students who are attending to do similar, if not the same practices often. Just in terms of what we need to cultivate as both students and teachers, we should have a sense of eagerness and we should have a sense of motivation towards the practice. And this needs to be sustained for some period of time, obviously, because we've already established that, but we really don't want to be coming to a practice with a sense of like, oh, I've got to practice, I've got to do this, and like another thing that I'm committed to doing, another thing to tick off the list. And then, you know, it's just cultivating more of this um, attitude of just constantly moving on to the next shiny object and the next shiny object. So being enthusiastic is actually a really key part of the practice. Looking forward to spending time on your mat, looking forward to um, moving closer and closer towards your goal, whatever that is for your practice, and just doing that with a sense of, of joy. We can't really pick and choose because if we start picking and choosing, um, it's probably just more getting caught up in mind stuff. So it's, it's good for us to note that. The mind wants what the mind wants, not always what's best for us. And it's a good idea that we, we remember that. Our practice, as I mentioned, um, should be having a very strong and firm foundation. And we shouldn't really have to excessively worry about the practice itself, you know. We just need to stay committed to it and, and we'll get closer and closer to our goal. And I guess that's also where a little bit of um, faith is very useful as well, knowing that, you know, the practice that we've, that we're doing or the practice that's been given to us has been given by a teacher who understands our needs and understands where we are and is committed to moving us towards that goal that we have. When we do happen to fall away from our practice, it might be for a week, it might be for a lot longer than a week, it's good for us to reflect on what happens during that period of time. It's inevitable, it happens. So that in itself can be a great learning and I, I would suggest the next time that happens for you that you maybe even spend some time documenting how you feel physically, emotionally and energetically as well. Essentially, um, what Patanjali is saying to us in this sutra is that um, 
Consistency is key. We need to be consistent. If we look at the benefits that start to accrue from, from a regular practice, um, you know, this it has so much to offer us just in terms of mental clarity, feeling more balanced, feeling less reactive, having a deeper understanding of our patterning and samskaras. And then with that self-awareness, we can make, we're just better equipped to make better choices. And then also through that um, deep sense of self-awareness, we start to have deeper connections with others. And that's quite interesting too, in that, you know, in order to understand others, we really do need to understand ourselves. And there's this significant sense of feeling just a little more content with where we are. And perhaps some of that grasping for all of the things that we think we should be, we think we should have, tends to soften. So we're not holding on so tightly to all of those expectations and anxieties around self and our life. And all of these come about through this commitment and this solid grounding. There is an element of being a, a, a establishing ourselves in a way that we're, you know, those of you that have seen me draw the um, pendulum swinging this concept that we're, the mind is constantly swinging from side to side and what we're trying to do is move up so that that swing out is a lot less and that we can um, return back to our centre a lot faster. We are trying to become a little more unshakable and that is that, you know, that lesson that yoga teaches us that things are constantly changing. You know, it's not always going to stay the same. And that suffering comes about when we really uh, become very attached to a certain way of being or certain things. Prakriti, matter, in, in being just so. And then from that, any deviation, any happening in life, which is bound to occur, then causes us to become very shook up, you know, we become very um, agitated. So through this uninterrupted and solid grounding that we look at in this sutra, we become unshakable. In the Bhagavad Gita, um, there's a reference to a yogi who um, commits to practice for many, many lifetimes. So, you know, this idea also that sometimes um, we should be able to achieve our goals of yoga, whatever it, it has, you know, in six months, in 12 months. And 
certainly even with the mentorship, as many of you have seen, you know, we put a timeline on there. We put a, a set time on there that we're working together or working towards something. But then we soon find out that, well, actually, this is, you know, this is not going to be done in six months. It's not going to be done in 12 months. Probably going to be working on this for the entirety of my time here. And in a lot of these traditional texts, they say for years to come, for many lifetimes to come. In his commentary, um, Misra actually mentions that the sattvic mind, which is calm and tranquil, is often overcome by rajas and tamas. And if you maintain practice, as mentioned in this sutra, eventually you will be very steadfast and concentrated. And this is, you know, in a lot of ways we've seen, we've heard this garden analogy come up time and time again but it, it's it is really quite perfect for this concept in that if you have a beautiful garden with you know amazing beautiful fragrant flowers and you're not constantly pulling out the weeds and you're not regularly tending to the garden and the weeds they will grow and overcome the beautiful flowers and the hard work of establishing the garden in the first place is so easily undone and this is definitely the case with our yoga practice as well. So just be mindful of anyone who claims to have achieved a certain state of anything to do with mind, because it is not linear like that. It's not one straight upward trajectory. The mind, as we know, is extremely fickle. It's like the wind. It's constantly changing. And this state of, you know, awareness um, can come and go very, very easily and very quickly. So if they're not engaged in their own practice and connection to their teachings, then we should really start to ask some questions about that. I hope that recording was helpful. I hope you got something out of that. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me, www.yogainmotion.com.au. You can leave a comment or shoot me through an email. I love hearing from you. And those of you who are listening to this in the lead up to our immersion coming up at the end of October, um, I just want to say this commitment that you've made to your self and your teaching is extremely valuable. And when you have periods of time where you're removed from your day-to-day -day and all of the distractions, this sutra is a good one to reflect on simply because it's that solid, grounded commitment over a long period of time that's going to slowly, slowly, but surely edge us towards where we're hoping to be.
So that's all for this one. Thanks so much for listening. You stay well and I'll see you on the mat real soon.